This is Teslin Figaro, host of Straight Shot No Chaser on the Black Effect Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. We'll cover politics, black lifestyle, and food for the soul. Listen to Straight Shot No Chaser with Teslin Figaro on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience, talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Good evening, America. Good morning, Australia, and welcome to the rest of the world. You're listening to Tony Lantis on Radio Tony, and today's show is going to be a little bit of a mismatch. It's been ages and ages since I've just had you, the audience, all to myself. So I'm going to do a few reminders of where you can connect with me and pop them in the chat box for you uh, on the break. But this morning, I thought that I would start the show by reminding you that behind each and every show, there is an amazing technician. And on the Women for Women's Network, that amazing tip technician is the beautiful rebel and I said to her before the show if I ask you some questions will you answer and she said I'm not sure so let's see if we can good morning rebel hi Tony hi Tony oh and <laughs> she is yay I remember early in the year that um the listeners were always interested to hear from you and I just wanted to let the listeners know that I couldn't do what I do without Rebel in the background so even though I've not met this beautiful woman each and every week when I come on and have a chat to her pre-show I know that in the background she's got my back so listeners this is the gorgeous rebel who looks after everything technical on the show and in case you've not met her before this is rebel say hi rebel hi everybody (laughs) now Rebel has had an interesting year. She's been battling with not only the impacts of COVID, but also the physical impacts of uh, hurricane and storm season. And I know a number of times I've come on the show and she'll be like, oh, my God, there's a hurricane coming. Oh, my God, there's been tornadoes and all sorts of things. Now, Rebel, you guys... Uh, you in particular, you have a like a little uh, studio dungeon and you feel pretty safe in that studio dungeon, but you do have a safety plan that gets you out if you need to. Can you tell our listeners quickly what that is? Uh, well, <laughs> batten down the hatches and run. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Batten down the hatches and run. Yeah, no, I would not stay in the studio for a massive hurricane like the one that's fixing to come to us um by the end of the week her name is delta oh yeah yeah like what a name for a hurricane delta 
Like it sounds nice, but there's no way that that's like nice. Um, I know that um, different times I've spoken to you, I've been actually really concerned because um, we you can see the size of these storms on the meteorological maps and they look massive compared to that tiny spot where Rebel and the studio is. I know that you are safe and I, I, I know that you can get out in time but it does mean that the station effectively shuts down for a little while, doesn't it, Ribble? The live version of the station shuts down, but we have yeah. a backup that kicks on yes. if we can't be live. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, guys, I am going to get let Rebel go back to doing what she normally does, but I really wanted to pay homage to this gorgeous girl who I talk to each and every week and who I is a friend even though we've not met we are connected via the airways of W4WN so thank you so much Rebel for indulging me this morning you are mighty welcome I thank you for having me on (laughs) Now, wonderful listeners, I thought that before um, I get into the rest of the show, I would remind you where you can connect with me. And before I do that, coming up after this little break, we are coming up after this segment, rather, I'm going to replay you Laura Saltman's answers to your questions from a couple of weeks ago. Um, She kindly did a little audio bite for me so that she could answer all your questions. So I'm going to replay that when we get um, past the first break. But just a reminder, I'm going to pop up in the chat box the places where you can connect to me, where you can send me uh, emails, where you can ask me questions. Um, So I'm going to put up all those in the chat box as we go along. So I'm not sure if you realise that Radio Tony has its own website and on that website we have details of all the shows that I do. So I don't only speak on the Women for Women's Network, I'm also on BBS Radio in uh, from San Francisco. So I kind of think that I've got the East Coast and the West Coast of the beautiful um, uh country of America covered Um, and effectively that means that you can listen to me as often as you like and all of the live shows across both of the channels go to podcasts and you can find them on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Listening Notes, all over the place. So I'm currently putting up my websites and my social media. So I am on Twitter. Radio Tony has its own Facebook page. That for me is Pinterest, um, which is surprising for me because I didn't realise that Pinterest is such a great and mighty platform for people to connect and engage with you. Um, and then the usual, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, are all available in all places where you can connect with me and ask me anything that you'd like. Now, I've just been talking to Rebel Pre-Show about the election that's coming up. Now, I'm an Australian and in Australia, voting is compulsory and you must vote or you face fines. Conversely, for the United States of America, you guys have the option of voting. And from my perspective, I kind of think that that is one of the rights that you should take up. If ever there was an election for the American people to have a say, it's this one coming up on the 3rd of November. Now, why should you vote? Because if you don't agree with one or the other of the candidates, and I have to say quite honestly, I don't think you guys have got much choice. You've got Trump, you've got Biden. They're both equally flawed men. But the thing with Biden is behind him stands an amazing woman. And if ever there was time to have women in leadership across the United States, 
Now is that time. So if you don't like either of the guys, vote for the one that's got the most powerful woman standing behind them. That's an important consideration because America's never had a female president and I absolutely believe that you guys need to start 2021 with an element of female leadership. So why is that important? Because you need – America is hurting. I talk to many Americans every single week – all across the country and the single most prominent point is that they are distressed about the state of their country. Not only have you suffered incredibly from coronavirus and I'm not sure what you guys are open to listening to, but from the world's perspective and equally from this little Aussie girl's perspective, you guys have been hit by coronavirus incredibly hard. I don't care what the what uh, the president is telling you. In comparison, in population, uh, in comparison to the world, you guys are leading the world for disease in terms of this virus. I don't care what everyone's telling you. I don't care about the conspiracy theories. From a scientific, medical and nursing perspective, and that's the perspective that I come from, I'm not interested in conspiracy and I'm not interested in people who tell me that this virus is a hoax. It absolutely is not a hoax and what you're being told is not necessarily the truth. So there is a great variation in how this virus affects people. So some people get off with a common cold. Others die. And that's the difficulty in managing it and that's the difficulty in the numbers. So lots of people are saying, oh, but they died of something else. Well, the virus tipped off that something else. We know that. That's scientifically proven. We also know that it has the capacity to create uh, long-term impacts on people's health. Those are the things that we're not talking about. So being in lockdown, wearing masks and social distances, those are your only tools to protect yourself. And if you decide that wearing a mask is against your right and you don't like being told what to do, how about you start thinking about other people? Because it's not you that will possibly be infected, but it could be the 70 or 80-year-old you breathe on. It could be that immunocompromised person that you breathe on. Any of those instances are important considerations when you're thinking about whether you want to wear a mask or not. So yeah, sure, you don't have to wear a mask. That's absolutely your right. But how would you feel if you're one of the asymptomatic spreaders of the virus and you caused the death of someone who didn't have the capacity to fight the virus? America You guys have had an incredibly tough year from the political political environment to the virus to the natural disasters that you guys have suffered throughout 2020. And so bearing all those things in mind, I really want you to consider voting on the 3rd of November. And I want you to look at each of the candidates and I want you to think about the way their behaviour comes across. And I know many of you support and love Trump and many of you support and love Biden. But again, I want to remind you that you need to vote for the person who you think shows the most care for the American people? Should you vote for a president who openly disparaged a virus that went on to kill so many beautiful Americans? Do you want to vote for a president who is a malignant narcissist? 
do you want to vote for a president who has uh, words around women that are completely unacceptable in this time and age? Do you want to vote for a president who has the capacity to save America? And I'll be quite blunt, if your leadership doesn't change, I fear for America. I Again, I talk to Americans almost every single day and those thinking Americans are saying that if he gets back in, they will leave or consider leaving America. I have never in all my time heard Americans speak in such a way such a way that they consider leaving their glorious country based on who's president. And that's a really sad state of affairs. So if you have the capacity to vote, and if you've never voted before, this election is the time to enact your right and vote. Because people from the outside looking in, America is in trouble. And my heart feels sad for what you guys have endured in the last few years and what you may endure by the choice of the president that you pick and vote for. Again, that's just my humble opinion and you know how much I care about you, the listeners, and I really would love to see America as the great state, that it, the great country that it once was and does have the capacity to be. Americans are beautiful people and I only want the best for you and your country. So get out there and vote on the 3rd of November. Make a conscientious choice and think very much about who you want to lead you for the next four years and know that the world is watching on and we're holding our breath to see what happens. So that's my introductory spiel for this morning. I'm going to hand over to Rebel who is going to play a beautiful recording from Laura Saltman answering your questions from a couple of weeks back. So over to you, Rebel. Thank you, Tony, for having me back on to answer some of your listeners' questions. So I will read them and then give you my answer. So first we have, what got your guests into this line of work? Well, what got me into it was being pushed into it somehow, I would think by spirit, because it definitely wasn't a career that I was looking to get into. I was in television. I was doing really well, doing red carpet stuff. And I wanted to continue doing entertainment and continue doing on-camera stuff, but I just felt a bigger calling. And when I started working with a spiritual advisor who helped me open up my own intuition, I just remember sitting with her and thinking, oh my gosh, I really need to do this. And not really knowing how, but decided to just figure it out. Uh, Next question, how long did it take Laura to get into this type of work? It took me about two years before I felt confident that I could serve in a bigger way, I had to go on this journey. And some people go on this journey and they go to a seminar here and there and they read a book here and there. But I've been on this journey every day, nonstop for, I'd say about six and a half, seven years, not just um, living it, but breathing it and doing everything I can to strengthen my connection to the other side. So it really is about being consistent with it. And the more consistent you are, the more you can open up your gifts. Uh, Next question, what can we do to see the signs? Well, one thing is to pay attention, is to notice, but without attachment. So what happens is when people realize that they can get their own signs and messages, they go out searching for it. And what happens is you become in a little bit of a form of desperation trying to get those messages and then you end up keeping them away. So you really have to practice the art of noticing with letting go. So when you let go, you're just accepting that signs and messages do come your way. And that way, when you see them, you can go, oh, I wonder if that's a message for me. And I will tell you that when you do notice one, if you don't know if it is a message for you, usually it is, but ask, ask spirit, is this a message for me? What am I meant to know here? So that you can work towards getting your own messages through those signs. Next question, can anyone do this channeling stuff? Anyone who is willing, 
Absolutely. So yes, we are all intuitive, um, everybody on this planet, and we all have our own gifts and connection back to the spiritual realm. Um, but it definitely takes a willingness. If you're somebody who isn't really interested in it, then you're not going to be able to open it up. But if you are somebody who wants to channel, who wants to have that connection, if you do the work that's going to take you to um, sort of get rid of your human mind and work on your spiritual mind and who you are and what's possible for you, absolutely you can begin to channel. Um, next question, do all people have Claire's? Yes, definitely people have Claire's and, and each sort of has a chosen version of what speaks best to them. Uh, mine is Claire audience, so I can hear words and phrases. That's my best gift. But we all have some semblance of all the other Claire's, but it goes back to what I said about channeling. It only works if you're willing. If you want to allow those gifts to come through and you work with them and you do the, you know, the classes and you do the work, uh, the reading books and going to seminars, whatever it takes, you absolutely can um, investigate and open up your Claire. Uh, next, are they always around you? Are spirits always around? Uh, yes and no. So yes, they are. The minute that you call upon them and ask for them, they can come in. No, you if you want to shut it down. So if you don't want spirits and energies to come in, then they, they won't. You simply have to set boundaries and it really comes back to what do you believe so i believe that spirits are loving and kind and only want the best for us and so that's who shows up for me but if you are somebody who believes in evil spirits and bad things are going to happen it may present itself in a way to show you what you believe because our life is made up of what what we believe so i would definitely tell anybody who is interested in working with spirits to make sure that you know and believe that they truly are loving and kind and just want the best for us. Uh, let's see, do you have any privacy with them being around? I believe so. I think that there is um, a veil somewhat of what they can see. So like, I don't think they're, they're, <laughs> they're hanging out with us in the showers. So I feel like we're okay there. Um, and, and I'll be brutally honest, I don't really know the answer to that question. And in fact, thank you, because I think I might put that in my next book and ask that question so I can get the true answer because I don't want to answer from Laura because I don't have that answer, but I know spirit will have the answer. So I actually will ask that question. So thank you for that question. Next question, are you ever uncomfortable with the spirits? No, going back to what I said earlier, I, I truly believe that spirits are loving and kind and want the best for us. So I only ever get spirits. Um, uncomfortableness comes when they are trying to communicate what happened to them. So if someone had been murdered or shot, when they open up uh, to me so I can get that message across, I'll feel like, you know, that energetic pulse. Um, if somebody broke their arm, I may get that sensation, not to the level that you would ever get it um, if it actually happened on earth, but just enough for you to pay attention so you can then give that message of, oh, did this person, you know, cross from cancer, stomach cancer, did they have breast cancer? Um, whatever those issues are, the spirits usually, if they have that ability, will be able to to let me know what, what that is. So, but not uncomfortable that I feel like anyone's hanging about bugging me, absolutely not. Next question, is it a guy or girl you were speaking of when you were asking Tony? So when I channeled for Tony in our uh, radio interview, it was definitely, I wasn't sure in the beginning if it was a man or a woman, and then eventually it was presented as a male. I will tell you something, and, and you'll have to go seeking further inside the depths of your mind, and that is that um, in, in our human bodies, we make a decision to be male or female. And of course, as you know, some people have decided that they want to be gender fluid. And we're going to start to see more of that happening as more children are born into, into the world right now. But when we cross back over, we don't have that sort of gender um, decision where we've decided if we're male or female. So spirits will have to actually let you know whether they want to present as a male or female because you knew them in a body a particular way. And when we cross over, after we've discovered who we are and, and sort of the mysteries of the universe, we drop our bodies because what spirit says is it's very cumbersome to be in a body. So they're not in their body, so they will present in a body to let us as mediums and channels know you know who they are to give you guys the clues as to who's coming in so i hope that answers that question if you're interested you can go and read my books the all uh the all books the all of the everything the all of the all and the all that is it explains it 
a little bit better than I explained right there. Um, this is an interesting question. Can you give a name of the spirit? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. So here's the truth that most people won't tell you in the medium world, um, in the channeling world, and that is that spirit wants us being skeptical. They want us to not believe in any of this. And the reason is, if you 100% believed in all the things that I'm saying or all of the spiritual truths of the universe that are out there in many, many books, then you wouldn't be on this journey in as intensive a way as we all are. You wouldn't be learning and growing as well as you can if you're skeptical. So even if you are the most spiritual person on the planet and you truly believe in this concept of unity and oneness and spirits guiding us and angels, eventually something will come along to knock you off your rocker. And that's on purpose because they, the spiritual world wants us being skeptical so we can truly be ensconced in the human world. So I always tell people I feel the best way to live on this planet is to know who you are, be connected to the spiritual realm, but also be as fully human as you can and feel your feelings. It doesn't mean you can't feel anger and, and upset and you know rage at somebody, but can you express it in a way that spirit would tell us to do, which is to be as loving and compassionate and kind with yourself and others. And then, you know, when you have those human moments, it won't be as bad. So spirit gives up gives us the information almost as if there are a, they are our adult they're our parent and would you leave your children's locked in a room with scary monsters and not you know help them out and that's kind of what spirit is doing for us they're helping us out to live joyful lives as best as possible so to go back to the name um sometimes no sometimes i don't get a name and and i will not get get a name because there's there they want us having that skepticism and other times spirits will be very clear as to what their name is and that's how i'll all of a sudden just jump out and uh and say oh this is who it is there was a i was in a channeling class one time or a clairvoyance class and i kept hearing this emily this girl emily emily and i finally turned to somebody and i was like who's emily i feel like she's trying to choke me and it turned out that emily was the friend of somebody in the room who was in the class who had um, committed suicide by hanging so you know definitely there are those moments when they do give me the those answers and it, it just depends on each spirit um and then i think that's it actually that was the last question so thank you guys for those questions and thank you tony again for having me on and if you want to know more you can go to my website laurasaltman.com radio tony difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners live from the gold coast australia on w4wn
Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. And welcome back. You're listening to Tony Lantus on Radio Tony and you've just in the previous segments listened to the answers to your questions from the gorgeous Laura Saltman. I've popped up in the chat a link to Laura's website and she's offering 15% off readings with her and there's a special code in the chat box that you can get 15% off her readings. She's a magical, amazing human being and I'd love you to jump on and have a reading with Laura. After that, we listened to the song that I can't get out of my head at the moment and I know it's been around for a while but the weekend with Blinding lights i'm not sure if it's the song or the mercedes that he drives in the film clip but i just can't get it out of my head so for the rest of the program i thought i'd just share with you some of the things that have been happening for me um, across 2020 it's been one hell of a year one hell of a ride and punctuated by moments of incredible difficulty So, lucky for me, I started off the year in Fiji in February where I was able to attend a women's only retreat with the gorgeous Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, And if you remember correctly, Julia Roberts played Elizabeth in the film of the same name. It was an amazing week of healing, letting go, releasing um, and joyous celebration of what it is to be a wonderful woman. I was also really lucky to spend some one-on-one time with Elizabeth where we bonded over pictures of goats. As regular listeners know, I have a little farm here on the Gold Coast in Queensland on the hinterland and we have two llamas called Avocado and a Pumache and seven goats. And if you have had goats or you understand what it's like to own goats, you'll understand that they are very special animals. They have a unique capacity to heal and convey affection and love on you. And they are part of my mental health strategy and will continue to be so for the rest of my life. There's no way if you're having a bad day, uh, if I walk downstairs and cuddle one of the goats, that the angst of the day disappears. So 2020 started with this wonderful retreat in Fiji just before the virus broke out. I remember being in the airport Uh, heading home and thinking, hmm, I'm wondering if I should be wearing a mask. I'm a bit concerned about this whole virus situation. Uh, And that was about as far as I thought. I arrived back in Australia and within 24 hours received the news that my mother uh, was very seriously ill in hospital. What had started with a cold had progressed to uh, an illness and by the time she was transferred from a regional hospital to a major hospital, she had suffered um, a couple of heart attacks, had been revived a couple of times and was in intensive care. So I'd come back from uh, this 
amazing retreat where I felt healed so much to the point that my husband commented when he picked me up from the airport that I looked years younger. So obviously the work and healing that had happened on that island retreat had been worthwhile. Turns out it was very lucky, uh, universally designed uh, for me to be in that state because the next six months are some of the toughest I've had to walk through. So when uh, we were contacted about mum's condition, I decided that I needed to travel to uh, see her and it was um, a five-hour trip to get to see her and in the intervening time when I we had made the decision to drive up and see her, there had been some discussion with her medical team about the reason for her heart attack and the reason given was that she'd been under immense stress and the reason for that immense stress was placed solely on my shoulders. So this was happening whilst we were travelling, and just before we got to the hospital, it was suggested to me that I not visit. And, of course, I'm pretty naive. You usually have to hit me around the head with a lump of 4B2 before I take note of things. And I just thought that that was because she was so ill and in intensive care. And we determined that we would still go and that I would just sit outside and wait for news. Um, When I got to the hospital... Uh, my sister, younger sister, who I am, um, had been quite estranged from, uh, was obviously and very, very angry and upset. And I was still not understanding what was going on. Uh, I proceeded to sit down and uh, briefly chat with my father. And then as soon as my sister left the room, my father grabbed my arm and took me into intensive care. I remember saying to him, are you sure? I thought she wasn't allowed visitors, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He said, no, come in and see her. So he brought me into intensive care and I stood outside the curtain thinking that I wouldn't be, I, I just wanted to see her just just to look. I didn't need to do anything else. That's all I expected. I had a rather strange reaction from the nurse looking after my mother who questioned me as to who I was and why was I in here. And when I explained that I was the oldest daughter, she looked incredibly surprised. I didn't know what that was about at the time, but I would learn what that was about. Uh, After that, um, she sort of reluctantly let me in um, because my dad intervened and said, just let her stay. And she said, okay, five minutes, which I was incredibly grateful for. At that time, when I walked into the room, my mother's uh, heart rate was rapid rapidly uh, accelerating and she was intubated so she had a, a machine breathing for her and I walked over to her and just gently kissed her on the forehead and said I'm here you don't have to do anything you don't have to talk all you have to do is rest all you have to do is breathe in and out I held her hand told her I loved her and her heart rate went down It uh, stabilised at a much lower rate and as I sat there, I just kept saying, it's okay, you're okay, all you have to do is breathe. Nothing you have to do, just breathe. I know that I love you, know that I forgive you, know that you have always done the best job you could do. Those sorts of comments that you say to someone who you're not sure is going to survive and she was seriously and gravely ill at that time. So as her heart rate lowered and stabilised, I sat there and um, watched her and just said, you can relax, just breathe. And she settled right down. And then the nurse came back in and said, it's time to go. As I went to leave, my mother grabbed my hand and really did not want to let me go. And so as her heart rate started to increase again, I just said, it's okay, I need to go. Uh, The nurse is here. And I grabbed the nurse's hand and replaced it with my hand in hers. And I left. 
What happened after that short visit was nothing short of diabolical. When we uh, returned to the waiting room outside the intensive care unit, I guess you could say all hell broke loose. Um, I actually took myself off to a corner so that I could ring my brother in Canada and my son in New Zealand and just say, look, I've been to see uh, Nan and mum and she's okay. She's ventilated. Her heart rate's rapid. Um, I, you know, it was able to settle it down. Whilst I was on these calls, my father came to me and said uh, in a very loud voice, why did you go into intensive care? And of course, by that stage, I was emotionally overwrought and I burst into tears, uh, got off the phone calls and said, but you took me in there, Dad. And I noticed that the other visitors in the room, part of our family group, were also watching and it occurred to me that this was a performance. And my husband then intervened and said, hey, Ray, uh, you... uh, are responsible for taking her in there. She didn't go in of her own volition, so you need to own that that's what you did. And as the tension in the room increased and everyone started to get very, very uh, angry, uh, we decided there and then that that was enough and that we would remove ourselves from the situation to prevent any more angst. My daughter who had arrived with us had also witnessed all this and all she wanted to do was go and stand outside her grandmother's room and just watch and see her and she was not allowed to do that either. So to protect the uh, so, to, so to alleviate the situation we were in we all decided to leave and that was the last time I saw my mother and father. And so uh, I had been ringing every few hours the hospital to see um, about my mother's condition and I was actually relaying the information to her greater family. She has a number of, she has 11 uh, siblings and I was relaying that information. The next day after we got home from our five-hour trip back, I rang the hospital and this time was greeted by a nurse who said, you don't have permission to ask anything. And I was confused because I'd been ringing up and and they had been responding and letting me know. And I said, can I speak to a doctor? And was promptly told, you are not allowed to ask about any information regarding your mother. The doctor won't speak to you. Please do not ring again. Obviously, I was incredibly upset and I got off the phone And I rang my father. And it was then that I learnt that I was being blamed for my mother's heart attack. That the book that I wrote some 18 months prior to this time was being cited as the reason for her stress. And so I was absolutely shocked and absolutely distressed and what transpired after that time was my own health issues. Um, I am very prone to stress and anxiety and that actually triggers a bodily reaction in me and my rheumatoid arthritis which is normally managed very very well uh, started to impact on my liver and my liver started to shut down. So uh, as I tried to work my way through this and try and reason with my family that the book was never written from a perspective of, of judgment, it was written from a place of healing, loving and forgiveness. And the only reason that I talked about the things that I do in my book is because it's important for people to understand about trauma, change and healing. And it was from that perspective that the book was written. And so what continued to happen was I am a people pleaser. I like to have things sorted. I'm the oldest of a a big family and I like to make sure things are working well within that family. In the ensuing months as I tried to reason with people and try to understand, it just got worse and worse and my uh, body started to react. 
to the point where I had to make one of the most difficult decisions in my life and I had to cut my greater family out of my life so that my body could start to heal and I could uh, start to see the light. I have to say that I still can't talk about this without tears in my eyes because any of you who have been through trauma and who have walked through difficult times with your family will know that they are usually um, supportive. My dysfunctional family is toxic and the the blame game is evident, unhealed trauma is evident and I knew that I could no longer have conversations because it was, wasn't was changing the outcome. All it was was making me sicker and uh, worse and my specialist sat me down and said, whatever you need to do to alleviate the anxiety and stress in your life, you must do it now. So with the help of my husband and children, I just cut them out of my life. And when I say cut them, I just stopped conversing with them because the conversations were leading nowhere except causing more pain and angst. So that, my friends, has been part of what's been going on in 2020. I now um, can absolutely say that I love and adore my parents. There is nothing that I would do in this world to have a relationship with them, but I cannot heal them. Healing is their responsibility. Healing is their cross to bear, and I can't change that. I can't do anything about it. And when you get to that point, you realize that you cannot do anything about something. You have to change you. And the only way that I could do that and protect my nucleus little family and keep myself healthy and relatively happy to do that, I can't speak to you for a period of time. So that has been about three months now and many, many times I want to pick up the phone and call them but I know that there is no use in that. I'm trying to get from them something that they are unable to give and I will continue to love them despite that. I will continue to be there if they ever need me and I will continue to work on the forgiveness that I have found in my life. And my message today before we run out of time is that trauma has impacts on your life. And if you do not shine a light on it, and if you do not work to heal it, it will impact your life in ways that you cannot imagine. And I'm telling you today that if there's any trauma or dysfunction in your life and you haven't taken a spotlight and shone the light on it, it will continue to devastate your life in ways that you may not realize until you start that healing process. I'm here today to tell you that that is possible. I'm here today to tell you that you can love people that you are not in contact with, that you can freely forgive them and wish them the best, but for your own peace of mind and health, you cannot interact with them. And that has been my lesson for 2020. That has been the hardest part of 2020. Take out all the not being able to travel, the restrictions, the lockdowns, the difficulties of uh, the economic impacts of 2020. This is the thing that has been the hardest for me. How do I know it worked? Well, my physical body is the most healthy. My specialist last visit said, your blood tests have never been better. Your bone density tests are the best and are of a woman five years younger than you. I am so happy with your progress and how well your disease or chronic disease is being managed. So people, if you're suffering and sick, have a look at what your mind is doing and perhaps have a look at elements of unhealed trauma in your life. And I want to leave you with this today before we completely run out of time again. My job on this earth is to speak about trauma and dysfunction. My job on this 
perspective to show you that there's health, happiness and healing from that trauma and I will keep talking about it until the day that I die. I know that I am not perfect and I know that by being imperfect and talking to you in a way that is open, real and honest, that you too might have that happiness, health and healing in your life as well. And on that note, my amazing network of listeners on the Women for Women's Network, know that you can connect with me any time that you want and know that I'll always come from a place of love and healing. And that, my friends, is my lot for this week. I will see you all next week on Radio Tony. Bye for now. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Radio Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.